Yeah, yeah. Put it, if he can, put it on the, on the end of, of one of those, either Friday night or... Sure. Yeah, most definitely. I would do that. I know I was trying to send it to Willie May and I forgot. I don't think I sent it to her yet. No problem, Ms. Sarah. We will okay. do that. Ms. Susan, would you start us this morning with a word of prayer? Yes, sir. Amen. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day, a day that we haven't seen before. Our soul delighted in you, and we love to eulogize you because you are so kind and loving to us, our seed, family member, friends, and America. You are better than good. There is no one in the earth like you. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm. We praise you, Father. We love you and we adore you. Give us a forgiving heart and mind for everyone who have done us wrong and who we have done wrong in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, don't let us get any backlashes from this prayer in Jesus' name. Kind Father, in Jesus' name, open up our spiritual ears and heart and mind to receive the rhema word that you have for each of us on this morning. Lord, we know that you are God and you want us to live and enjoy life. But we have to have a clean heart and a clean mind to enjoy life to the fullest. And, Father, I pray and I thank you that me, the listener, and our family member will not give any, get any backlashes from this prayer. And, Lord, continue to bless the overseer and his family and this ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 This morning, as uh, you know, uh, as uh, we, we go into the, the Word of God, you know, I just wanted to us to open ourselves to just like a, you know, listen to what God is saying to us. So this morning, as as we go through the meditation, and listen, you know, don't just like a, you know, um, form any opinion um, about this. So give God a, a room. Um, let the Holy Spirit work in us. You know, it's a great. Uh, um, you know, um, there are some pieces, you know, uh, it was just almost like God was speaking to me, uh, you know, and clean me in certain areas that I never knew was uh, was blocking, you know. So, but that said, this is a time to just like open ourselves to say what God has done for us. The Bible says when we open our mouth, you know, he will fill that with goodness. Amen. Amen. I'll start, Cyril. I shared yes. with you and Miss Sarah um, the other day that, um, and this is a praise report, because um, you've told us many, many times that God will restore the lo- the year of the locust of Jude. And um, me and Ryan were in the living room, and he said to me, you know, Mom, I don't feel like I've ever been to prison. Amen. He said that, he says, I don't feel like I've ever been there. He said, I feel like I came out and picked up. And that's a praise report right there. 
Those words, um, as soon as he said it, that's the first thing that came into my mind was that God will restore the years of locusts just Jews. And I'm so grateful for that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And when when Colette told me, she was remembering that Matt had said it. And um, I didn't remember, but Colette remembered. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a yes, blessing? Yes, it is. Yeah. And for some, I did share this testimony on Friday. Um, you know, I had a chance to meet with uh, uh, the leaders um, of North Carolina Department of Corrections, and uh, they have uh, offered the first prison to Proverbs to the States. And they just want to know if this is good for us. If not, they will, you know, open up other prisons to, to, to look at as well. But the, the fact that, you know, that God is just like a moving so swiftly. So it's not like, a, you know, we're going to hear from them next year or next month. It's like a now. Now. Mm-hmm. You know, moment. That's what I'm praising God this morning. Mm-hmm. And praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, the meeting was so well. I have a praise report. I, I was just telling some of the ladies, Colette and, and Sarah, about my progress um, through this stroke um, and how swiftly I'm, re- you know, recovering. And it's because of prayer. You know, I had to um, thank God for where I was, you know, and stop feeling sorry for myself and ask him why I had the stroke and um blaming myself for some of the things that wasn't godly and um but um when I started to just start you know, just to thank him for where I was and just to cry out to him in prayer and listen to my my famous um gospel um music at night, you know, I put it on and let it stay on all night long and just and just pray and just thank him for where I was. God did a, um, Tina said, a miraculous change, you know. I started to do things that I had never done. I started to look the way I used to look. And God just healed me, you know. I still can't do everything, but I do most things like I used to do. And even my speech therapist, she, she said, you know, you look like a different person. You know, I can't believe how, you know, how well you look, you know, and how fast you can, you know, learn out your things that I ask you, you know. And I told her that mm-hmm. it's because of prayer, you know, and it's because of me, you know, just trusting in God and just believing that, you know, he's going to, he's doing this to take me to the next level. I'm not afraid of, of where I am, you know. I just believe that because of this stroke, when I recover, I'm going to do something greater than I used to do. And I'm and, and I believe that it's in Proverbs 2 to 6 because of all the things that they're opening up. 
you know, I'm gonna be, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be a part of those things, you know. Oh, yes. and I believe that, you know, that you know, God is gonna use me in a greater way, in a greater Amen. way that He used to do. Amen. And I believe that, you know, I told you that I can't wait to get back to to the things Amen. that I used to do. But it's not the things that I used to do. It's in a greater way that God's going to use me. You know. Hallelujah. And I just thank God for for where I am. I thank Him for where I am because I know that when I fully recover, that it's going to be at a different level in my life. You know. Yeah. I just thank him for that today. I really, I thank him for where I am, and I thank him for the change that he's making in my life, you know. And I thank yeah. him yeah. for that next level. Um, you know, I know that he's preparing me for something greater. He's preparing yeah. me for something greater, and I'm willing to. I'm willing and ready for what he's preparing me for. And I just yeah. thank yeah. him for that, yeah. woman. Mm. Amen. Ms. Brenda, I wanted to say something to encourage you this morning. I had like a series of uh, meetings yesterday. Usually my Saturday morning starts around 6 o'clock, you know. I have like a meeting with some of the people in India, then I have meetings with uh, people in Malaysia. So um, around like, uh, you know, uh, 6.30 or 7 o'clock yesterday, I had this meeting with this uh, guy in Penang, Malaysia, and uh, his name is Richard, and uh, he's the one who's working on some of the fabric uh, uh, on electronics, uh, um, you know, and the LED, UV bulbs, and so on and so forth. Halfway through the conversation, he, he said, like, Cyril, uh, I just want you to know I've been through enough in my life. So I asked him, what do you mean, Richard? Mm-hmm. During this COVID time, Cyril, I had a stroke. And I lost everything, and, uh, you know, I came out of it. And as he was telling, I just remembered you, Ms. Venda, because uh, he said, like, uh, you know, he's actually working right now with us in putting together all the fabric for the the UV bulb making uh, that's going to be part of our 5 and 2 trade school. Um, and he's also building the, the course material for electrical and electronics uh, portion of the trade school, right? Um, but the thing is that he went through stroke and he came out of it and he's working, Ms. Brenda. It's the same God that worked in him is the same God is working in Amen. you. It's the yeah. same God that's working in me, Amen. you know, will bring forth, uh, you know, the right uh, strength that you need, Miss Brenda. Yes, I believe that Hallelujah. Any other praise item for this week? Thank you, Father. Yeah. As I was saying, I had meetings yesterday. One of the meetings that uh, this guy was bugging me to speak. His name is like a Tyler, and you will get a chance to see him. I knew him about like a seven or eight years ago, and uh, he resurfaced back in my life, you know. And he's just like a trying to get like a, 
um, you know, uh, 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 just a normal conversation. He wants to talk. And so as I'm talking to him yesterday, I asked him, you know, what, what was he doing this last five or six years? And uh, he says, uh, like, uh, this is a random guy that I knew eight years ago, right? He shows up again, and he says, like, uh, for the last seven, eight years, I've been building, um, you know, the, this organization to, to help, uh, you know, the guys who are not able to help themselves. And uh, I teach, uh, you know, on uh, helping them to uh, get better and uh, be positive and uh, bring Christ into their life. And uh, I also have built like a course material for the, you know, self, you know, finding themselves, uh, you know, in Christ. So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, that sounds really good. Um, and this is something that we wanted to put in, in five and two. And this guy is showing up out of woodworks, you know. And then I asked him, Tyler, why, why is this important that you wanted to talk to me today? You know, but is there anything that was pressing in your heart? I just wanted to hear. And he said, Cyril, this is, this is interesting because my dad was in prison. I wanted to do something for the kids whose parents are in prison. And uh, you came to my mind, and I just like it came running. This is like a, how God just like a brings all His people together for His glory and His honor. You know, I praise God for what God is doing. Amen. 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 This is Katina. I I just wanna um, thank God for. Just the um, the Holy Spirit. I just thank him so much for it. I just thank him for his guidance. I thank him for just the peace that it provides. And, you know, I mentioned uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago about this book that I'm reading um, called Experiencing the Spirit. It's by Henry and Mel Blackaby. And the book is just basically talking about the power of the Holy Spirit that we have, you know, in us and how if we rely upon it and we really surrender to, uh, surrender to it every day, it will truly ordain our day. Like we, we can rest. We can relax. We don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. We don't have to have anxiety over anything that the Holy Spirit truly, truly will take us where we need to be in that particular day. And um, and I thank him for that. I thank him for, you know, that word, every word that I'm reading, it's like it's being manifested in my life, you know, and I, I just know it in a, in a manner that I've never known it before and really allowing it to orchestrate itself in my life and realizing that I have no control over anything, that all I have to do is just sit back and let the Lord's spirit lead me to where God wants me to be. And um, this morning, I was supposed to leave to uh, go back to Charleston. I've been in Maryland for, for a week, for this week. And I, was, uh, I had an 840 flight uh, out of Maryland today. But I couldn't sleep last night. And when I finally got di- drifted off to sleep, I woke up because I had a terrible case of heartburn. And um, I just could not 
couldn't get past that thing. And so finally, after a while, you know, I, I drifted back off and I started to feel a little better. And then about 4 o'clock this morning, I got up and um, I heard the spirit saying, cancel your flight. Book it later in the day. And I'm like, okay, now I don't really want to do that because I promised my mom that I was going to be back first thing Sunday morning. And, you know, I just need to hurry up and get back because I got some other work I need to do and I don't want the whole day to get away. So I just all of these excuses I just kept, you know, playing out in my head. And so I finally drifted off again. I woke back up about maybe 30 minutes later, 4.30, I looked at my phone, and I heard the spirit say again, cancel your flight for later and, and rebook it for later in the day. And so I said, okay, I better cancel the flight. So anyways, I went on and, and pulled up the website and, and rebooked my flight for uh, later this afternoon. And, um, and I was just talking about the Holy Spirit during the prayer uh, group that I had at 7 o'clock on Sundays. I was just talking and encouraging the women and just, you know, just letting them know just how when we get these weird feelings or these weird ideas that we're not, we shouldn't dismiss them because those are the works of the Holy Spirit that are actually moving us and guiding us in the direction that we need to go. And we don't always understand it or see it at that particular moment. And as I was sharing that with them, lo and behold, I get a text this morning. And now I saw exactly why I didn't need to be on that plane at 840 because I would, I would not have been in place where I needed to be. And the Lord knew that he had another plan this morning. He had another assignment this morning. And that's why it is imperative that we move when the Spirit is telling us to move because it doesn't necessarily always have anything to do with us, but more so it has to do with the, the kingdom work that God has for us to do. And so I just wanted to thank him for his spirit this morning, thank him so much for leading me to this book, and thank him for the spirit just being alive and well in my life and allowing me to share it and witness it with other people because I'm so excited about this journey that I talk about it all the time because I know it's not just for me. It's for you, you, and everybody else who I allow to share it with. Really surrender unto the spirit. If you are feeling anxiety or feeling confused about anything in your life, I'm telling you, if you are a believer of God and you surrender to the Holy Spirit unto today, it's going to move you to answer. It's going to move you to a place where you need to be. And I thank God for that this morning, and I just wanted to share that. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and, and the thing is that when I texted Miss Katina to do um, the the summarization this morning, um, you know, the thing is there is something that, that you know, um, that it, we are going to hear from Katina today uh, during that time that's going to bless somebody, you know. Yeah. And so I'm just like uh, so excited to see where God takes us this morning. Amen. Amen. Any other praise items? All right. Wonderful. I'm going to put us all in. The conference has been muted. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is amazing how, like, uh, you know, when I hear all the testimonies that, uh, you know, we hear on every Sunday morning, it just, like, uh, energizes my spirit, and I hope it uh, does to every one of us on this line as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer very quickly, and then we will go into the Word. Father God, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning. God, we want to rest 
in your arms this morning. We want to source ourselves to just like us, you know, listen to your voice this morning, Father God. Kind of help us in our spirit to just like be sensitive to what you're saying to us today. God, I pray that, that you know, um, everyone that is listening to this voice this morning, Father God, they will hear you. And that the words that come out, Father God, will become uh, um, the, the energy source that when we are down in our spirit, that this will just like remind us, not just to today, but uh, not just to tomorrow, but the, in the days to come, Father God, uh, let this word become a rhema word for some of us. As, as we go through this journey, Father God, this will be uh, something that we will hold on to in the days and years to come. God, I pray for uh, anyone that is on this line this morning, Father God, if their heart is heavy, God, I just pray that you will clothe them this morning with the garment of praise, that you would just lighten their hearts this morning that they will, Father God, will find the freedom and rest in you, Father. We surrender ourselves into your mighty hands. You take the glory and honor, Father God. Amen. Amen. So as we are studying about the covenants of God, these last couple of weeks we have been studying about the covenant, we have seen so far how a covenant is nothing but a legal binding contract that God has with his people, right? He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to make himself known to us in this fashion. But God, somehow, in all his wisdom, he just wants to expose his heart to his people, right? And understanding these covenants will give each and every one of us, a view into God's narrative of his purpose and his will for his people. You know how many times I use the word his? It's not about us. That's what Katina talked about earlier today as well. He, he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a will. We just, you know, if we are just like a obedient to his, Call, he just like opens up himself and shows it to us. So far, what we have seen um, is that there are totally eight covenants, uh, or at least eight major covenants um, that, that we see in the Word of God. We saw the Edenic covenant, which came right on the first one and two chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. Verses 15, God just opens up his heart. After he makes everything, he just like a tells Adam, Adam, you're just going to rule over these things that I've made for you. And as we know, uh, what led um, Adam and then Eve to eat the fruit that they were not supposed to have eaten and falls off of their, um, you know, state. And uh, they, they just need a redemption from that state. Every one of us, from time to time, we need that redemption. Every one of us uh, are, are so capable of making mistakes and that God has to show up to re- this, this 
part of his heart to redeem us. This is just like a perfect, you know, uh, uh, example of God to just like a show up in your life and my life to redeem us. And so he comes along and he wanted to redeem Adam and Eve from what they have done. And so he makes the next, um, you know, covenant, the next arrangement for Adam with an unconditional covenant. Again, he could have just like, you know, removed Adam from the face of the earth. On Friday night we were talking about it that um, Jesus died on the cross, if only that uh, after what Adam and Eve has done and that got them out of the Garden of Eden, because God had to protect them from, you know, the the tree of life and tree of, uh, you know, knowledge. Um, And so the thing is that if, if Adam and Eve are the only people left on this earth, and if God wanted to redeem them, and as he wanted to redeem them, he would have still sent his son to die on the rugged cross. Right. So here, in Genesis chapter 3.15, we see how God um, curses the serpent, the devil, and he tells the serpent, your head will be crushed by his seed. And then he says to yeah, there is going to be some effect that, that you can have on them. You could bruise the heels of the men, but the, your head will be crushed. And in fact, we see that fulfilled all the way to Jesus and all the way to Revelation. We see that fulfillment of that covenant. Here God is saying that when you multiply, when you become a nation on your own. And and, and the thing is that uh, you would know for sure that you will still come out victorious. You will still be the one crossing the head of the enemy. Then what we see is that the people, as they just like started to multiply from Adam to the next sets of like, you know, his children, The Lord found that every intent and thought of those people were evil. Again, this is like hundreds of people that just come out. They they just like start to think and do things that even today we cannot even imagine what those people were doing, right? We think about some some of these things that we see today is just like, you know, very, um, you know, Drenched uh, or uh, you know wretched, but these were all done during the days of Noah, and so God shows up again in the life of this man named Noah, and he establishes a covenant, a Noahic covenant. He wants to restrain. He could have erased the people again this this time, but instead he found one person, one person that is just so. Um, um, loving and righteous, that uh, kind, that he cannot just like uh, go past Noah. And so he pulls out Noah and his family, and he takes all those animals into the ark, and uh, they spend nearly five months, uh, after 40 days of rain, but they still spent uh, five months inside that boat ark. And when they came out, God makes 
a covenant with him on Genesis chapter 8, verses 21. He will never again destroy his people, and he shows them the rainbow as a covenant. Again, we see that, you know, the people, the children of, uh, you know, God, just like they continue to make a, um, mistakes, and they build this Tower of Babel, and uh, they want to create a name for themselves. They want to establish their own kingdom, and and God just like, a, you know, is just tired of these people trying to act like God and trying to become like God, and they just wanted to make a tower so they can walk all the way to heaven, you know? Um, how How ridiculous that sounds, right? But God is so patient, God is so faithful, God is so loving, He is so gracious, He is so merciful, He is so, um, the, the, the length and breadth and width and height of His love cannot be explained, right? So that's how I feel like uh, every single time God shows the grace to His people. So then the last couple of weeks we, we, we saw the Abrahamic covenant how God tries to restore uh, his people uh, with one man named Abraham and with his descendant. In fact, uh, he picks up uh, Abraham from Egypt, from, uh, sorry, uh, from Babylon, and then he gives him three things. I don't know whether you remember the three things that God puts in that covenant. Number one, he promises to give him a land, the Israel, that God has already, you know, planned for, for, um, for him, right? The promised land is, is, is now being talked about, and God says, I'm going to give you a land. And then he says, I'm going to give you the people, the descendants of Abraham, that's going to be the touchdown of all the people, all the nations, to know God. That was the whole intent of him creating a generation out of Abraham. And the third thing God did is like that he showed him the kind of blessing that he is going to have. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And then... You know, the, the, the history moves on, um, and that, uh, Abraham has Isaac, uh, and then, uh, you know, the, the generation starts to come out, uh, uh Jacob comes out, and that uh, Jacob becomes Israel, and then they go into Egypt during the days of Joseph, and they get like a stock, uh, in Egypt, and they start to become slaves for nearly 400 years. And uh, they cry out to God, and then God, with all his mercy and grace and love, shows back up in the lives of his children. And he rescues them from the hands of Egypt because he has he has promised Abraham, their father, a land. And he has also promised him a blessing that if anyone, you know, treats his children, he will start to 
curse them. If anyone curses them, he's going to curse them. If anyone blesses them, he's going to bless them. And, and I see how like the God is taking the children of Israel through uh, all the plague that he sent over to the, the, the Egyptian families. Uh, and then uh, he takes them out of Egypt. He, he, he does this amazing miracle by splitting the Red Sea. And now they are in the wilderness. They're walking through. And this is where uh, this morning we're going to start on the fifth covenant, the Mosaic covenant. This is a fulfilling of God's plan and the God's promise to Abraham. It's like God is revealing his plan of salvation for his people. That over time, the promises as they are getting fulfilled, there are certain things about this Mosaic covenant that God makes with the, the children of Abraham. The, the Jewish people, but it does apply to each and every one of us, even today. And we'll talk about it as we go through this covenant. But the, the first major fulfillment of, of Abrahamic covenant is actually the source or, or, or injected into the Mosaic covenant. Before God gives the Mosaic covenant, he actually fulfills what he has already told Abraham. He calls the descendants of Abraham, the children of Israel, out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. He's fulfilling that promise that Abraham is going to be the father of great nations, many nations, and there will be a place for them to rest. That's what he told Abraham. Abraham, your children will have a place to rest. But on the way to the promised land, God stops them at Mount Sinai, and there he gives this covenant, Mosaic covenant. And uh, we will take the next one or two weeks to go through this Mosaic covenant, look at it from various angles. I've, I've, I've read and I've seen enough videos of this Mosaic covenant and what the people talk about it. It's always like a very a gloomy state that a lot of people are painting about this. But there is like a bright spot or the bright spaces of this covenant. That's what we will look at the next couple of weeks. God's talking about his Ten Commandments, but it's, it's, not, about, it's not about the rules or it's not about the law. God is exposing to his people, now that I've brought you out of slavery, you are my people. I will be your God. In this, in this covenant that God is trying to make, the Mosaic covenant, he's just actually showing them the purpose behind this covenant is to reveal his righteous standard and also to reveal our sinful nature can actually slide into a place where he's, he's asking us to be careful over some of the things that we could be doing or stay away from certain things because we have a citizenship in heaven. 
our, our destiny is to go to be with him. Our destiny is to be in a place for millions and millions of years, and God is not going to sacrifice that until Christ comes. The Mosaic Covenant that we are going to see today, is, it's got a lot of temporal nature to it, but Christ fulfills them all. He talks about it in Romans. We will talk more as we go through this. But what I want you to see here is that before God gives another statement or another covenant, he's actually fulfilling what he's already told his children. And, and, and the thing is this, why is this important for, for you and me today to even read or meditate on a covenant like a Mosaic covenant is this. If you're wondering, this is all old stuff, Cyril. This is the Old Testament stuff. Why are we going and touching this Old Testament stuff? It doesn't really matter today. Why should I even pay attention to it? I have a new covenant. Christ has already come. If this message was preached 6,000 years ago, Cyril, it makes sense because those people haven't seen Christ. Those people haven't seen David. Those people haven't seen the tabernacle. This was given before all of those things. But today I know everything. I have like the word of God in my hand. Why do I need to meditate? Let me tell you. If there is anyone on this line that feels like your prayers are not being answered, then you need to pay attention to Mosaic Covenant. If you feel like that you are in a dry place and that you're, you're, you're not feeling the presence of the Holy God, then you need to listen to this Mosaic Covenant and what God is trying to establish with his people. This is not a covenant of works. It is a covenant of, you know, the covenant where God is teaching his children how to walk with him. If you are a child of this living God, how should you embrace this covenant? How should you embrace this fact that God is talking about? My people, throughout this time, God never exposed to the children what he would do to his people. But this is the first time he repeatedly says, if my people, if my people, if my people, of their God, I wanted to bring glory in their life. Uh, and a lot of times people are just like relying on when they talk about this Mosaic Covenant, they're only talking about the Ten Commandments and its terms and so on and so forth. But there is beyond that. If, if, we, if we obey this covenant, if we obey the commandments of God, right, God says, I will keep them in the land. I will, if they disobey, I'll spew them out of the land. If, if only we keep the covenant that God is talking about here in this Mosaic covenant, then we will experience the blessing. And if we don't, then we will experience the curse. 
throughout the Old Testament, we see the children of Israel go through this battle with this covenant. And one thing that they fail to understand, and I, I really strongly believe that we are also doing the same mistake as the children of Israel, is that we think that we can keep this covenant and we can keep this law with our God on our side. Or we think it is given to us and we need to do all this by ourselves. Let's, uh, let's look back at this. How many of us wrote a resolution when we started this new year, 2022, right? It looks like we just wrote the covenant, I mean, the, wrote the resolution or we started the new year. One month has already gone by. Can you imagine it's already one month old this year is, right? But the thing is this. Sometimes we write with the good intention some things that we want to follow through, we want to do. But really, without God helping us, without his grace and mercy, we won't be able to accomplish what God has put in our hearts. Are you finding yourself in this walk, this spiritual walk, that you need to pay attention to what God is saying, God is doing in your life? Then we need to give room for God to get himself a place in our hearts, in our mind, in our soul. So with that intro, let's go into, um, there are different places where the Mosaic Covenant is talked about, and I want you to pick like a one place today, which is Leviticus chapter 26, and I'm going to read from verses 1 through 13, and we do see that, you know, God's talking about it in Deuteronomy 5. God's talking about it in Exodus 19. We will take time to read all of those things. So don't worry, you know, today morning, if you can turn your Bible to Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 through 13, that's what I'm going to read today. If I take this covenant and if if we just like want God to summarize this for us, why would God give a a covenant, another covenant, if he has already given some covenants to to Abraham, or if he has already made some covenant with the Noah, why would God want to make another amends to this covenant? Listen to this. It says, God is saying to the children, to his children, he says, do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourself. And do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Here's the thing. If only someone can summarize the whole Mosaic Covenant, Here are the two things God is just expecting out of us. Number one, do not make idols for yourself. Do not make another imagery of another God. And then he says, observe Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. If only we can do these two things, 
it does fulfill everything. It will fulfill everything that God says in those Ten Commandments. But look at what God is saying after this. If you follow my decree, he's saying, if you follow my path, right, and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. God is saying, if only you can be careful not to make an ultimate image, ultimate God for yourself. And if you pay reverence to my house, my sanctuary, then you don't really need to worry about the rain, the blessing, the prosperity in your life. It will come in its season. And not only that, you wouldn't even need to worry about the yield of your blessing. It's going to come. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue till planting, and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. God says, if only you don't make an alternate imagery for, for, for your worship, and if only you give reverence to my sanctuary, anything that you put your hands on, that you're plowing, you're threshing, God says it's going to be so blessed that it will continue. Whatever you are supposed to be doing, I heard this pastor uh, one time, um, you know, in Charlotte. Um, this pastor was saying that his car tires, right, um, they, they, they all have like a certain, you know, number of days and years um, as a guarantee, right, the car tires. He says, like, those tires run longer than what is being said by the manufacturer, my $20 bill extends itself even larger to a, to, to, to a larger extent. The food that I have in my house, you know, doesn't get spoiled. And that uh, anything that I have in my hand, God just like a continue to stretch himself. That's what he's saying. The threshing, the things that you do, the, the work that you do will, will be so blessed that the, the, the benefit of what you're getting will last till the next harvest, right? And then he says, I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. No one will make you afraid of COVID or Omicron. No one will make you afraid of another plague. No one will make you afraid. No, you will be in such a confident place that you don't really need to worry about uh, anything. You don't need to be fearful of anything. In fact, he says, I will remove the wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. Isn't that amazing? God is saying, if only you don't make an alternate imagery 
and, and create another God for yourself, I will make sure that you are protected against a, a wild beast or the sword that will pass through, that will not even pass through your country. You will pursue your enemy and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Amazing. Amazing. God is saying there won't be even enemies. The people who try to plot against you, they will not even sustain or survive. I've seen this again and again and again and again in my life. The people who try to do things that would harm me or Proverbs 26, I've seen how like they're removed from that scene. I've seen that in, in work, I've seen that uh, in, in, in this mission and the ministries that have seen like a, how God would not allow the enemies to prosper. And I've heard Miss Sarah say, don't be mean to Sarah. There is a truth about it. There is a truth to it. We can never be mean to the children of God. If we start to become like a, so arrogant, or if we start to become careless, we could say things about pastors. We could say things about, you know, the leaders that are working for the kingdom of God. Can you imagine if you and I become an enemy to God, and if God is trying to chase us, we will absolutely have a no place to hang on. And here God is saying, that's the truth about somebody that's coming against you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest. God is saying, whatever you have created last year for your last year's work, it is so going to be full that you won't be able to finish what you've actually created for yourself. And then he says, when you have, and you will have to move it out to make room for the new. Our blessing is going to be so much that we have to make room. We need to overflow into the people's life that the, we will have plenty. We will have an abundant mindset. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I was looking for this word, abhor. What does it mean? It says uh, God will not even look at us or regard us with disgust or hatred. God will not even look at us with that kind of like a disgusting look, right? He says, I'm actually going to make a dwelling place among you. He says, like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to make a room within your heart so I can actually be there. If only you don't make an alternate imagery or an idol. As long as you gave reverence to my house and reverence 
to my presence. That's what he's saying. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. He's the one who brings us out of our slavery. The Egypt here refers to anything that we were slaves to in the past. That you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptian. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with the heads held high. Look at these verses. We, we will get to those Ten Commandments. We will get to what God is talking about. God is summarizing out of the 13 verses that he has here. 11 out of those 13 verses are nothing but a blessing. That's God's heart. That's what God wants to do to you and me. Why is this Mosaic Covenant? There are two things that come to my mind. And there's more probably. We'll talk about just these two things this morning. Um, number one, it is about how God wants to see his children mature. He's like, I want to teach you how to be like my people. God wants to tell the children of Israel, and it applies to even us, you know, there is enough verses. We are the descendants of Abraham, so this is not a just for one sect of people. The reason why he took this much of time to explain this blessing is very, very simple. That he wants us to come out of all of these slave mindset. He wants to get us out of the scarce mindset. He wants us to come out and just to say to us, he wanted to see, he wanted to see how his children will live in the promised land. The reason why it took the children of Israel 40 years when they could have crossed the wilderness in 11 days is because God was trying to take their slave mindset out of themselves. He wanted to live in the promised land with this, this, the mindset of being the citizens of heaven. The Mosaic covenant is definitely not limited to that Ten Commandments or merely the events that took place around the Ten Commandments, it's beyond that. Everyone sees this as like a rules, rules, or like a works. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not eat this. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. They see that, oh, maybe I need to do some things. My works is what is going to be needed for God to bring salvation into my life. That's, that's how a lot of times people see this Mosaic Covenant. One time, Billy Graham um, was uh, in Larry, he was in Larry King's life, um, you know, several times. But this one time, Larry King just like talks to him about the number of countries that uh, Billy Graham has gone and the number of people, the millions of people that have given their life to Christ 
Uh, and he goes on stacking up how much Billy Graham has done for the kingdom. But then he, at the end, he asked Billy, will you go to heaven? Because you've already done what God has told you to do. You've preached well. So many people gave their life to Christ. And Billy Graham answered this so beautifully. And, and it's not because of the works of being a pastor or being a preacher, right? And he says, I will not go to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm going to heaven entirely on the merit of the work of Christ. The thing is this, not by works. We will never achieve salvation by our works. It is by his grace and by his mercy. These commandments that we're going to see the next couple of weeks, you know, it is for us to mature in this walk with the Lord. God wants his people to be set apart from the world, from the secular world. He didn't want us to live in a way that uh, we will mend, uh, I mean, blend with the world or the secular world. He wants to take us out of that part. So let's talk about the, the, the background behind like where God is talking to them about this. God, when he just like brought them out of Egypt, after three months, they come to a place called Mount Sinai. That's why Sometimes people say this Mosaic Covenant is also Sinai Covenant, too, because it was given at the, at the foothills or, the, you know, it was given in the, from the Mount Sinai. When you look at it from the, the aerial view of this place right now in that wilderness, right, it looks like this big, giant pulpit from where God was speaking to his people, right? When, when the children of Israel left from Egypt, they, they, they come, if, if we look at the Exodus, we can split it into three parts. One, they leave from Egypt to Sinai. It took them three months to get there. And then they stay near Mount Sinai for nearly a year where the covenant was given to them and God wanted them to soak on this covenant. In fact, there, there, if we look at the Exodus 19, that's where the covenant is given to the children of Israel. And from 19 to Numbers 10, which means the rest of the book of Exodus, God is talking about this Mosaic covenant and the various aspects of covenant. And all of the book of Leviticus, he's talking about Mosaic covenant. And all the way to Numbers chapter 10, Right? So if you look at the, you know, Genesis, then comes the Exodus, then comes the book of Leviticus, then Numbers. God's actually taken 57 chapters of this Bible and he's talking about the, the Mosaic covenant and the, the, the implications of it. These 57 chapters were written during the time the children of Israel spent under the Mount Sinai, right? And then the third part, so they came from Egypt to Mount Sinai. They stayed in Mount Sinai. There's a lot of things written there. And then from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. So that's how we would even break 
the exodus, right? So here, what does God want to do with his children? He saw all the blessings that God wants to give to his children. He wanted every one of us to embrace these words that he's saying in this covenant. In fact, in the, in the book of Exodus, chapter 19, which is where it is like a very well-established, this is where God starts to talk about it. Before he even starts to talk about this covenant, he says, Exodus chapter 19, verses 4, 5, and 6, he says, you have seen what I did to Egyptians. So basically, the Mosaic covenant is actually a celebratory covenant. God is actually talking to them saying, look, I've actually done things for you to get you out. I've actually want to celebrate your Passover right now. What happened in Egypt? How the death, the angel of death never came into your house. Right? So he's saying, you have seen what I did to those Egyptians. You know how I carried you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. God is saying, you are my children. You are a you are someone that I, I want to take care of. That's what he's telling to every one of us on this line today. He's saying, you don't need to take care of yourself. I am going to take care of yourself. I am the eagle who's going to carry you through. In fact, we think, like, a, you know, if someone asks us, why do you want to be a, a faith-driven person? Why do you want to be a Christian, why you want to do all the right things? Why you don't want to do certain things that the world would do? Our ultimate answer is like we want to get to heaven. We want to spend the rest of the life with uh, with God, the millions of years. That's what we we would say. This is what I want to do. But here's the thing: you and I doesn't mean to actually do a thing towards that because. It is God's desire to take us to heaven. We are in agreement with God when we say we want to get to heaven because that's what God has for his children. If you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the people, all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. God is saying, you are my treasured possession. And he wants us to be the priests. Every one of us on this line, God sees you and me as a treasured possession, and he sees us as priests. You and I are the priests of his kingdom. And you and I are the holy nation. That's what he wants to accomplish. If we can condense everything God wants to do in this Mosaic covenant, that's what he wants to do. He wants to, you know, make us as a holy nation. He wants to treat us as his own people. And last Friday night, we were doing this uh, study on um, the hidden treasures, and uh, one of the things that just like a sucker 
so hard for me is like uh, you know in uh, in in Matthew chapter thirteen verses forty five it says the kingdom of heaven that's what he's talking about in this mosaic covenant is like a, a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found out one of a great value he went away and sold everything he had and bought and bought it. The, the, the thing is that the merchant that it is talking about and the one who found, he who found, right, that he is God. He went away, which means God went away and sold everything that God had and bought it. And so we did this study where I never realized how the pearls were getting formed and, and things like that. So when I researched on that, pearl, which is like a, such a precious component, uh, in fact, uh, you know, Cleopatra uh, had like a two pearls in her neck. Each of those pearls were worth $500, uh, $500,000 each. It was just like such precious pearls that she was wearing. So we won't go there. But here's the thing. There are some pearls that are more precious, right? So the, 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 the ones who research that they know. But how does a pearl get formed, right? Uh, and and uh, the thing is that uh, um, the pearls were made from inside a shell where oysters uh, are involved in making of this pearl. And so when, when researched, I found out that there is a thin layer of skin that oysters have, and it's called a mantle, right? And if there is an, a foreign particle, like a sand or some food, that comes into the shell where the oysters are sitting, right? And between the mantle and the shell, if there is a sand that comes and starts to irritate these these oysters, right, these, these parasites that just like it comes into that shell where, where the oysters are, and they're just like irritating them, then what the oysters do is that they would emit a, a, a chemical, like a carbon monoxide kind of a chemical, like um, there's a chemical that's getting released. It's called NACRE, N-A-C-R-E, and it forms a layer on top of that irritant, of that sand. And it's just so, still so irritated, it actually sends more nacre, which then forms another layer on top. Over the years, it just keeps emitting this chemical of protein and, uh, you know, uh, and, and so on. It just like it continues to form more and more and more layers around that sand, around that parasite, right? And then when, when, when the merchant finds a, a precious pearl like this that uh, has over the years that has been formed, he wants to pay a price for it. And how does this you know, apply to me today? God is saying, you and I are that treasured possession, right? In fact, uh, there are times that we make mistakes and we come in, that our mistakes come in the presence of God and God is seeing 
that this one mistake that we have done, you know, is just not right before God. This is this one mistake is not aligning with the Ten Commandments that God has spoken. And so, by His grace, you know, He covers that with His blood. And and after He covers that with His blood, we are so good in putting more guilt on ourselves over the things that we have done in the past, then in his mercy and in his grace, he puts another layer around us to take that guilt away from us. Then, then over a period, he wants to erase that from our memory. So he puts some more layers around it. And today morning, we heard Miss Collette talk about it about Ryan and Matt, that they don't even remember certain things. Why? Because God has put another layer of nacre around that pearl. And he continues to put more and more and more over the years. He just like put so much of covering with his grace and mercy and, and in his love. And that the, the, what comes out of it, what comes out of it is you and me that is just like covered with the God's mercy and grace. And when, when God sees you and me, right, and he sees how precious we are in his sight, he sends his only son to die to purchase this pearl so he can take it to his kingdom. This morning, that, that kind of a maturity to understand that his grace covers me. His mercy gives me a reason to live. His, his love covers them all. His width and breadth and height and length of his love just like a, is over me is is such a precious ornament. And, and then he says like, oh, my children, they don't know how to battle, so let me put an armor around them, another layer of nectar around that shawl. It makes your life and my life so precious. Right? And God says, now that precious pearl, I'm going to purchase them with my blood. He wraps us around. So the first thing that God teaches us in this Mosaic Covenant is for us to mature to know His grace is sufficient for everything that we go through. And number two, God wants to keep Him as a number one priority in this life. You look at this Leviticus chapter 26. He repeatedly said only those two things. Do not make idols, set an image, or sacred stone for yourself, or do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. God doesn't want to create an alternate imagery for him. He is God. That's what he's saying. I am the Lord, Jehovah. Right? When we think about these idols, right, uh, because God says, do not make idols. We are thinking about like a, this, this ancient day of worship or we're thinking about like this the Hindus having idols or we're thinking about the Buddhists. We're thinking about all other faith and religious people 
or even we think about like this trinkets that the, the, the people had like uh, in their hands. So we're thinking about like this idols, it's like a Udu worship kind of thing, right? But in today's world, what God's talking about in this verse is that we are capable of creating modern day idols that replace God. Sometimes even good things that we have in our life, you know, absorbs our heart and gives room for these idols. Anything that comes between you and your God in the relationship is an idol. So this morning, you know, I want to talk about, I don't want to beat you by the idols that we have in our life, but I still want to talk about the modern-day idols that we worship. Definitely not to condemn you, but just for you and me to know what are some of the idols that we leave in our life. There are six idols that I want to talk about that you and I worship, potentially worship, or by mistake worship. Number one, idol is our identity. Our identity could become an idol as well based on the social following, our identity, if it is based on the work that we do or the ranks or the skills or the degree that we have or the hobbies, right? We could create for ourselves our own idol and replace that. We need to be extremely careful not to create an identity for ourselves based on what we do on this earth. Last times, I want to be extremely careful that Proverbs 2 to 6 doesn't become my idol and replace God. And, and, and the thing is this, you know, once we form an identity based on a certain idol like that, it's very hard to get out of it. What is our identity should be based on? Our identity should be based on the fact that I am the child of a living God. When we start to live our life with that as an identity, we're going to see the freedom manifest in our life. How do you identify yourself? Do you identify yourself based on what you do? and replace God in that process, then you have created created an identity idol in your, in your life. We have to be careful about that. The second idol that we could create for ourselves is, uh, is, is money. This is something that, uh, you know, by mistake, we could worship this. It, it's not a how much money you have or how broke you are, but it's the pursuit of money that can become an idol. Many people in our culture today, in America and across the world, they trust money more than God. Money can get them whatever they want, rather than relying on God to give. I'm not saying money is a bad thing, but it's the desire and the love for money can pull us away from God. This was like a couple of months ago, last year. Um, after uh, finished preaching on a Sunday morning, 
um, I, I had to pick up some stuff from Office Depot, so I was standing in the line, and it was really taking time. And uh, I saw a woman standing up very well dressed. Uh, and, and so because it was taking time, it was my mistake that was taking time. I turned around, and I wanted to just, like, make a very casual talk. And I said, like, it looks like you're either coming from church or going to church, you know? This was Sunday morning, right, around 11, 11.30. And so she looked at me and she said, no, I'm not going to church or coming from church. Ever since I took my job in this, you know, I've stopped going to church. And I was thinking to myself, this woman has replaced, you know, her, her, uh, her loyalty to God because she needs to earn some money and in pursuing that money, I, I'm sure she is, uh, you know, she's really going to get rich or she will have all the riches in the world, but she's losing herself because she created an idol herself. Anything that we do to earn money, if it takes time away from being in the presence of God, in reading God's word, in, in just like a prayer time, then that that money that you're trying to pursue is now an idol in your life. That's the second one. The third one, entertainment, can be an idol. Sometimes it's the new show that we want to see in Netflix or the next vacation that we wanted to plan or playing that video games or watching that sitcom. We love to be entertained. So entertainment is not like a bad deal, it's, it's, it's a good thing. But that, that when that good thing becomes an ultimate thing and takes us out of God's presence or doing God's work, then that can become an idol. If you are watching TV, watching some sitcom really late in the night and if it makes you tired to wake up in the morning to worship or pray, and know this for sure, that's an idol that you need to be careful of. The fourth idol is, is, a, is a worshiper that people worship today is sex. Some of them, for some it is an addiction that takes from the worshiping God. And for others, it's just like a talking about sex or the orientation of sex leads into controversies. Just that very fact that, you know, that takes away the love, takes away the, 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 the warmth of being in God's presence, you know, can become an idol. The fifth idol is the comfort. This is one of the dangerous idols that, uh, you know, many, many of us can easily get into. There are so many ads that we see on TV. If only we buy this product then we become comfortable. And that's what enemy has done to you and me. He's just like making us comfortable enough that, you know, doing a ministry, uh, as long as it stays within my comfort zone, I will do it. As long as it is within this time period, I, I really cannot wake up early. I'm really tired. This sickness is just like a driving me crazy. No, 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 no. God knows all of those things, 
And when you sacrificially get out of that situation and, and do things, God sees what you did. Uh, uh, we've talked about this. There was this man named Bonnie Williams. He's a founder of World Vision. And uh, when he was about like 85 years old, he was traveling. Um, world Vision is an organization that takes care of children across the world. They just like spend money for their food and school and so on and so forth. Here at 85, he was traveling to Africa and he was uh, seeing his mission field. He wanted to work there. And uh, one day he ran into a girl that was lying on a beach, uh, like uh, on a bed near the beach. And so he asked the translator, why is this girl uh, lying on the beach near the waters? And so the translator said that she has a disease that she's going to die. And so she wants to, she wants to die in the same environment that she lived on. And so he bent down and used the translator and he asked her, what can I pray for you? And the girl said, every time I go to bed in the night, my body is aching. It's like someone's pricking my body with nails or like a pin and I'm not able to sleep. And so uh, Bonnie Williams prayed for that girl. And then after praying, he put a hand on his pocket and took some uh, sleeping pills and gave it to the translator and said, give it to her. It has like a five or six sleeping pills. Uh, she can at least sleep for the next five or six days, right? The story could have ended right there, but then the story did continue afterwards. The reason why the story continued afterwards is because Bonnie Williams was traveling to Africa from U.S. And the thing is that he's in a place where he needed that sleeping pills for himself because he was suffering from the very same disease that girl was suffering. His body was pricking with pain and that he needed. He could have easily stayed home in his comfort zone he could have said, like, I've already created this giant organization called World Vision. I can be comfortably staying in my place. But instead, he just like a chicken time. He just like worked through that part. He showed up in Africa, right? And the next time he had access to the medicine would have been five or six days later in Singapore. For the next five or six days, Barney Williams when he felt the pain on his sleep, when he felt the pricking of the pin on his body, for the next five or six days when he was not able to sleep, he was still getting out of his comfort zone. He was sacrificially doing something for that girl. I'm not saying that we need to be, you know, in that kind of a mode of like a sacrifice, but then Jesus is calling us out of our comfort zone to tell others about like a who that Christ is to to get out of our comfort zone in our workplace to get out of our comfort zone when we go to the grocery stores and the restaurants to talk to people and just pray and just like to give them the words that God has given it to you. We have to be sensitive in our spirit and come out of our comfort zone. Sometimes these comforts are an idol. The last one, the sixth one, 
is your phones and social media addiction can be our idol. How can you tell yourself that, 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 that social media can be an idol? This is the norm of this day. How can you say phones can be an idol? I cannot make a phone call or I cannot talk to somebody without I have a phone. Phone's not a bad deal. Social media also is not a bad deal. But if you are someone who puts a message on Facebook and you go back to click to see how many clicks that it has or how many people are following that message, you cannot wait even five minutes to go back and check in or saddened by the fact that you don't have enough likes for the content on your Facebook or your social media, then you and I have an idol and we have to be careful. The real problem is, you know, we are placing more value on that idol than God. For some of us, you know, we have to be careful with our phones because you know, we are constantly sending messages to people and watching certain things over the phone. We give more importance to our phone than God. When you're speaking about something, how do you know that I have an idol? Here are the four questions that we need to ask to know if we have an idol in our life. We can even check our checkbook. That's another good place for us to see who's an idol in our life because uh, that's where you spend. Where do you spend your, your money? That's the number one question. You can, you can check your accounts, bank accounts, and you can see that. Where do I spend my time? Where do I get my joy? And what is always on my mind? Sometimes even good things that can stay in your mind can lead us to, to this idol. And the thing is that uh, if you are not experiencing God's presence or seeing God's answers in your life, then you need to look at, uh, you know, these two conditions that God is talking about. Did, did I create an idol? Did I not give a reverence to God? This season in NFL playoffs, uh, I don't know how many of you are watching the NFL players. All the teams that played in their home field, mostly, thinking that it is to their advantage, lost their playoff games, right? When we have an idol in our lives, then we lose this home field advantage. And that's what we need to be careful. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. The New King James Version says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. Let me close this with what Paul is talking about this Mosaic Covenant. He says in First Corinthians chapter 10 verses 6, 1 through 6 he says, I do not want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. He's talking about the children of Israel and Moses, right? In the cloud and in the sea, and all of them 
were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and the rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with the most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scripture states, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they didn't indulge in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to test, as some of them did, and then did and died from snake bites. And don't grumble, as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as an example for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So my dear friends, Flee from worshiping the idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourself if what I'm saying is true. This is the word of Paul. Summarizing the Mosaic Covenant and the people's attitude. This morning, I know we have touched only the tip of this iceberg. But if you can, just like it, consume these words and talk to God about like the maturity that you need to have in this walk, as well as the idols that you may have, God will speak to you. Ms. Katina. Amen, amen. Oh, so much this morning. So much, but this has been an awesome, awesome, heart-filled message a message that reminds us how much our father truly, truly does love his children and how he always comes to see about us. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about this message from a spiritual standpoint, our spiritual father, and I'm also looking at this message from carnal eyes as we are parents to our natural children. And we could learn a thing or two from our spiritual father about how we are to be with our children that we have naturally. So, and this mosaic Sinaiic covenant is actually to be celebrated. And, you know, it brings me joy when I think about the Passover and how it was by God's grace and mercy that he saved the children of Israel. It's by his grace and mercy that he continued to 
save us. This is not a message about works, but rather it's about God providing for us what we don't even deserve, what he provided to the children of Israel that they didn't even deserve. But it was because of the covenant that he had went into with Abraham that he had to carry out that covenant in the Mosaic covenant. He had to carry out the plan for Abraham in the Mosaic covenant. And I'm just truly, truly just celebrating today knowing that God loves us and he continuously shows up for us. I thank you so much for even allowing us to constantly see that. Sorry, I'm losing my note place here. Constantly allowing us to see God's heart for his people. We see the Father's heart for his people. We see that everything that he does is for his purpose, for God's purpose, and to edify him and his plan. And we can just walk away today celebrating, knowing that because of this covenant, that God really meant for us to be able to crush the enemy. The enemy has no victory. The enemy has no dominion over us. His attempts mean nothing. They are just void of any power at all because God loves his children, and it is his desire that we will win the battle against the enemy and return back to him. That's to be celebrated today. And this is important because it's like, this covenant is showing itself perpetually. This is a, a daily perpetual act of how we need to cultivate our walk with God. Are you paying attention to what God is really, really doing in your life? Are you paying attention to the things that he is showing you and the way that he wants you to go in your life? This covenant that we learned about today, God is actually fulfilling a promise that he had already vowed for us. He rescued the children of Israel from Egypt. He wants to rescue us from the hands of the enemy. And he wants to continuously do miracles in our lives the same way that he continued to do miracles in the lives of the children of Israel. His ultimate plan is for the children. His ultimate plan was for the children of Egypt I mean, the children of Israel to have rest, and that is the plan that he has for us also. He wants us to be able to rest in him, knowing that the battle is already won, knowing that we can trust him and he's going to work all things out for our good. And there are two things that he mentions in Leviticus to the children of Israel, and that was, number one, that they were to not make idols for themselves, and we are to not make idols for ourselves. Scripture says that I am the Lord thy God that have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We must remember that our God is a jealous God, and we shall not put anything before him. And number two, observe the Sabbath and have reverence. God's sanctuary. A lot of the churches are getting away from that. They're getting away from the reverence and the, and the sanctification of his sanctuary. Any and everything is allowed in the pulpit. Smoke, lights, cameras, action, they're on. Oh, Why are you actually 
what are you actually giving reverence to, I ask you, saints? And God said that if we do these things, that if we not have idols, and if we observe his Sabbath and have reverence for him, he promises that anything that we put our hands on will be blessed, that he will enlarge our territory. He will grant us peace. We don't have to have fear. Fear has no room in our hearts. It has no room in our minds. He ensures us that we will be protected from the beast, from the dragon, from Satan, the snake, Leviathan, the enemy. He will bring them down. He will remove them from our space because they have no room to be able to tamper with God's property. We are God's property. I remember I took a, uh, I got a new job at the agency where I worked at. And it was this one lady that just, she was like an antagonist. She just kept poking and poking and poking at me. Here I am, a new employee, brand new to working in the chairman's office. And this lady, for whatever reason, felt threatened by me. Now that I am a mature Christian, I realize now that it wasn't me as a person, a fleshly person that she was threatened by, but she was threatened by the light of God that was illuminating through me. And when you walk with God, the glory of God will shine through you, and people will, the enemy will be threatened by that. And God will move those people out of your path. And shortly after God blessed me with that job, it was not even 60 days. God removed that lady. I came into work one day, and they said she resigned. And I had to praise God because she made things so uncomfortable for me every day. But I was praising him, and I was blessing him with what I knew that he had already blessed me with. I didn't know why I was there, what he wanted me to do, what my assignment was. But all I know is that that lady had to be removed. So we can rest knowing that when God has an assignment for us and he has ordained for us to do something, we don't have to worry about the things that come in our pathway because God will remove the enemy. He'll remove those stumbling blocks. He will remove those things from us in order for his purpose and his plan to be made known. He will provide favor. We don't even need, we don't deserve it. He will just make a way out of no way. Our cup will run us over. He will give us double for our trouble. Just kind of a demonstration today. If I can just get everyone just to lift their hands up like you're holding a basket up to the heavens. If we could just hold it up right now and just say, God, thank you for my overabundance. Thank you for allowing my basket to be filled. Thank you for allowing the things from last year to carry over into this year. And I will have everything that I need for you. Thank you for allowing my cup to run this over. God wants to see us mature. He wants us to be removed from the mindset of bondage. That's what he wanted for the children of Israel. He wants the same for us. He wants us to stop picking up old things over and over again that don't belong to us anymore. The children, they kept going around and around in circles, same as us. We're going around and around in circles, picking up things that he's already delivered us from, picking up old habits that we're already delivered us from, picking, doing the same thing over and over again that he's already allowed us to be overcome from that thing. He wants us to make it. We are precious in his eyes. 
He wants to cl- he wants to clinch on to us just like we clinch our pearls. We are his treasured possession. And even though we make mistakes, celebrate knowing that we are covered by the blood of Jesus and we are forgiven. He doesn't want us to get stuck wandering in our memory. He doesn't want us to be choked up in bondage. He wants to kiss us with his grace and mercy. And, y'all, it is sufficient unto today. Keep him as a priority in your life. He doesn't want to take the back seat. He wants to ride shotgun, driver's seat. We can be the co-pilot. Let him be the pilot. God all by himself. Don't let the things in your life remove you from the image of God. Don't hold on to those things. Examine yourself. What are you holding on to? What is your identity? Who is your identity in? Who you identify with? Is it entertainment? Is it shows? Is it vacations? Is it worshiping other things that's not God? Is it staying within your comfort zone? yourself today and ask yourself, what are those things that are actually taking me from God? God can only use us when we are uncomfortable. I remember I hear Pastor Cyril say all the time that if you can make it happen, it ain't of God. He wants to make the things happen that we cannot do on our own. So it's when we are uncomfortable that he can use us in a situation. What are you addicted to? What are you over-accessing over? Social media? Is it your phone? Are you checking it every time you post something? Are you checking the life? Value lie. I urge you today, saints, to examine yourself. What is your mind on? What brings you joy? How are you spending your time? What are you giving reverence to? Choose righteously and trust, saints, Knowing that because of the Mosaic Covenant and all the other covenants that we've been learning about, God will work all things out for the good for those who love him and keep his commandments. Remember the commandments that we learned about today. We can trust knowing that he will provide all things for us. Amen. 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 Praise God. As we go into communion, let me read this prayer. And as as we go through this, you know, uh, I, I pray like what Ms. Katina talked about, like examine yourself. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion, any unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you in our heart and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all times, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness for us. And to all who receive you, 
Thank you, Father, for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now, and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. Let's go ahead and take the bread. In the same way, he took this cup, representing your blood, poured out from that, from from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. The same blood that we put on the doorpost of our homes. The same blood that we can put upon our children, our family, our marriage, our business. As we remember to celebrate this precious blood that he gave us from that sweltered cross. As we drink this, know this for sure, that his blood still is alive and speaks to every one of our lives. Let's go ahead and take the drink. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we soak ourselves this morning in your body and your blood. Father, can I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters listening to this morning's message, Father God, that we would, Father God, will walk away to the morning with freedom, knowing that you have already chosen us. You have chosen us to be the treasured possession, that you, Father God, has already made a path for us to be the priests. That, that, that you have already made room for us to become the kingdom priest and a holy nation. Father, we are so thankful. God, I just pray for everyone that's on this line. If there is anyone, Father God, has like a, you know, a disease or have something in the body that's just like a bothering them, God, as we took this bread and the, and the drink in remembrance of you, Father God, let that blood reveal its power and manifest them in their lives and their body, Father God, that they will be made whole in Jesus' name. We surrender ourselves, Father, into your mighty hands. God, you take the glory and honor. If there is anyone that is heavy in their heart, Father God, let the garment of praise be clothed on them this morning. We will walk, Father God, in your freedom and in your mercy, in your grace, in your love, now and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. The conference has been unmuted. Thank you very much. That was beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Blessings. Thank you. 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 Thank you.